Amen. Let's give it up for the band. Didn't they sound great tonight? Hey, it takes, uh, it takes a lot, man. These guys are here on uh, Sunday mornings from 11 to 1230, and uh, they're practicing, and, and uh, they come in early on Wednesdays, and they practice, so, uh, so they work really hard to, uh, to make sure that uh, they're being their best for, for God, and there's a team of people up in the loft that do the lights, and man, they just take care of it all, so, uh, so we're really thankful for all of them and uh, everything they do. All right, so I showed you those videos, and, and uh, you can go ahead and now turn to Colossians chapter 1. I showed you those videos, and I want to point this out to you. I want to make this very clear to you, okay? Uh, that's not how I view Jesus, okay? The problem is that's the way a lot of people view Jesus, right? They view him as this, uh, once you get saved, fun's over kind of guy. You know, he's just, he's just Jesus, right? He's just, you know, really just didn't even enjoy being on this earth. And uh, uh, those videos are, are just to kind of show a point that uh, too many people view him the wrong way. And, um, and that's sad. Have you ever heard the phrase, seeing is believing? All right, I've heard it too. When I was, well, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, my uncle took me deer hunting once, twice actually. And the second time I ever went deer hunting, he meets me at 5 in the morning, and we're out there, we're in 5 in the morning, it's dark, we're getting ready. He hands me this 12-gauge shotgun, that looked like it was built around 1940-something. And it was wrapped in camouflage duct tape. No sights. And he puts one shell in there. Buckshot. And I'm thinking, he don't think that I'm going to hit anything. He just he has no confidence in me. And so he proceeds to get me ready. I'm wearing my camouflage. I got on my, I got on my uh, orange vest and... Um, everything, and, you know, I'm ready to go. Anyway, he takes out a bottle of fox pee, and he proceeds to put a little bit on his hands, and he puts it on his face and a little bit on his clothes. And then he walks over to me, and he takes the bottle, and he pours it on my head. And uh, that was the worst smell. And um, so anyway, so he tells me, he says, listen, all right, this shotgun is not very good. And I said, you think? And he says, don't try to shoot anything that's more than 35 to 40 yards away from you. Okay. So we go, I sit down by the tree, and then the sun starts coming up. And uh, it was cloudy. It was a December morning, so it was a little bit cloudy and stuff. And um, I was sitting there, and I heard something coming up behind me. Right? I was sitting there by myself, heard something coming up behind me. I was sitting on the ground at the base of a tree. And, and my heart, man, just starts thumping. My heart's just going. Now, oh, man, here we go, here we go. And so I'm sitting there, and I've got the shotgun, and I lift it up real careful. It's behind me. So I turn, and when I turn, it was a cow. It's just a big old white cow. And he peed. Like right there, he just peed. I don't know why I told you that. I just thought it was funny. He pees. And so I'm sitting there, and he leaves. Well, about five minutes later, what sounded like a squirrel came running up behind me. 
And I turned around, and there it was, a deer. So I lift up the shotgun, boom, dropped it right there on the spot. I jump up, I'm like, whoa, you know, my uncle jumps up and he's like, you idiot, there was 15 deer behind it. He was about to shoot one. And, and so, so I go over to the deer, I'm standing there, I'm looking at it, and he looks at where I was sitting, and he looks at the deer, looks at where I was sitting, he was like, how far did I tell you not to shoot? I said, you said 35, 40 yards. He said, why did you shoot 75 yards? He said, you shot 75 yards and you dropped that deer. I said, yeah. He couldn't believe it. So we take the deer, we get it back to my house. I run upstairs. My brother, who had been deer hunting about 20 times, had never even pulled a trigger. I run upstairs. I'm like, Bo, this is, no, I didn't say Bo. Again, didn't know that word then. I, I, I run upstairs. I'm like, Jeremy, I, I shot a deer. And he's like, what? I was like, I shot a deer. You liar? I was like, no, I shot a deer. Dropped it right on the spot. He jumps up out of the bed. I won't tell you what that image looked like. Jumps up out of the bed. He runs downstairs at our house, runs out the back door, and he's like, you did shoot a deer. And I was like, I told you. See, the thing was, seeing is believing. See, sometimes things, they just don't make sense to us until we see it for ourselves. Okay? Sometimes things just don't really make sense unless we see it for ourselves. There was once this guy, he was a carpet layer, and uh, he had just finished installing carpet for this lady. And, and he stepped out for a smoke, and, and only to realize that he had lost his pack of cigarettes. And so in the middle of uh, uh, the room, uh, under the carpet that he had just laid, there was this, this hump. And so uh, he thought to himself, there's no sense in pulling up the entire floor for one pack of cigarettes. So he takes a hammer out, and he just beats that, he mashes it down. Okay, uh, a couple minutes later, he proceeds to go outside, and uh, the lady that owned the place and who's doing the work for her, she comes in and she says, "Hey, I found your pack of cigarettes. They were right outside in the floor." And he was like, "Oh, okay, great, thank you." And she said, "Now, if I could only find my parakeet." Pretty hard story to believe in it. I mean, you'd have to like, he really he beat a parakeet with a hammer. All right, here's another one for you. Uh, there's a, a lady that was a medical, there was a person that was a medical student and um, working in a toxicology like uh, lab, whatever. And, um, and they got a call one night from this lady. And, and what had happened was the lady's son had been eating ants. All right? The lady's son had been eating ants. And so this lady's like freaking out real bad. And she's calling. She's like, you know, what do I do? What do I do? And the guy's like, well, you know, it was just ants. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And she was like, so I don't need to bring him into the, to the ER. And he was like, no, don't worry about it. Don't bring your kid to the ER. And uh, she said, I don't need to call poison control. He said, no, ma'am, it's all right. It was just ants. She said, all right, good. She said, well, before I called you, I started feeding him ant poison to try to kill the ants. And the dude was like, yeah, you better bring him on to the ER. Seeing is believing, right? I mean, that's kind of like, is a mom really that crazy? Would a mom really start feeding her kid ant poison? You know, would a guy really beat a parakeet under the carpet? <laughs> kind of funny, isn't it? Anyway, so, so the point is this. Sometimes, sometimes we have to see things. Listen up. 
Sometimes we have to see things in order to believe that it really happened. My brother could not believe that I shot a deer, and, and he had to run and see it for himself. There was a moment in, in Jesus' time that, that his disciples, guys that had been with him for three years, and when Jesus uh, was dead, uh, and he, on the Sunday that he resurrected, the disciples, uh, some of the, the ladies went down and they, they saw that the tomb had been, uh, was empty. And they come running back and they tell the disciples, he's, he's alive, y'all. The, the, and they said, y'all too. And they're like, and the tomb is empty. And, and Peter, the strongest of the disciples, was like, no, it's not. And they were like, yeah, it's empty. And, and it's Peter, instead of just believing, because he knew Jesus was going to rise from the dead, instead of just believing, he had to run out and see it for himself. And so the Bible says that he takes off running to the tomb. And it said after he got to the tomb and he saw that it was empty, then he remembered Jesus saying, I will rise again. See, we have to sometimes, in order to believe things, we have to see it. To believe it. But we can't see God. See, I think that a lot of you, I think a lot of you struggle with this whole God and Jesus thing. I think you struggle with it because you think you can't see it. And unless you see it, it just really can't make sense to you. It's hard to believe in something. It's hard to believe in something, especially a person or any type of being, if you can't see it. Is that right, Emmett? Yeah. You just, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Unless you can see it. You have to face the reality about God. That in order for this whole thing to be true, you're going to have to understand the best way to see it. To see God is to understand who Jesus was and who Jesus is today. Too many people, too many people draw their own conclusions about him. They make up all this stuff. And the problem is, is nobody is looking at the word of God to see who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And if you start looking at the life of Jesus Christ, if you start looking at it, and the only way you can look at it is in this Bible, you start looking at it. You start studying it. You start reading the stories. God will begin to make a little bit more sense to you. And so tonight, we're going to start a little series. And it's based on this, fact, this question, who is Jesus? And tonight, we're going to start in Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to look tonight at verses 15 through 20. Actually, we're not going to look at all five verses tonight. We're just going to look at one. Colossians 1, but I'm going to read all five verses to you. Colossians 1, Paul says this, Jesus, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the, and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross." 
Tonight we're going to start unpacking these five verses. It's going to take us a little bit of time to do it. But we're going to focus in tonight just on one verse. And it's verse 15, the first part of verse 15. When we ask the question, who is Jesus? Paul tells you right there, he is the image of the invisible God. Truth of the matter is, we can't see God. Okay? We cannot physically see God. All right? It is impossible. Moses wanted to see God. Moses asked God a long time ago. He said, God, I want to see your face. God said, you cannot look upon me, Moses, because God is so pure. He is without sin. There is no darkness within him. There is nothing about God that is evil. And God is so pure that he's so bright that I think if we tried to look at him, our eyes couldn't handle it. And so he told Moses, he said, if, Moses, this is the only way that I'm ever going to be able to pass you by. You've got to stick your face in the rock. I'll come by you. And that's what Moses did. And as, Jesus, as God passed by, Moses kind of turned and he saw the back of what might have been God. We cannot look physically upon God, but we can look physically at the life of Jesus Christ and see God. And so tonight, that's what we're going to do. The first thing that I want you to understand about who Jesus is, is that Jesus reveals God to us all. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ came here to the earth to make God's personality, his love, Everything about himself known to you. Jesus is what you have to look at in order for God to make sense to you. So if you're struggling tonight, if you're struggling tonight on, on whether or not God is real, because there's a lot of you that, that God just isn't real to you. And Jesus definitely isn't real to you. And that's why you have a hard time wanting to live your life for something that you just really struggle with even understanding or knowing about. And, and so if you're struggling with that tonight, we're going to check out or we're checking out the life of Christ. And then when you do that, you see God. Jesus is the exact image of God. Okay? Jesus is the exact image of God. Jesus reveals to us that God is to be loved. All right, Jesus is the exact image of God. And what Jesus reveals to us about God is that Jesus reveals to us that God is to be loved. Mark 12, verse 30 says, And you are to have love, from the, love for the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He reveals that God is to be loved. God deserves to be worshipped. Jesus, is, Jesus here is telling us that God has to be loved with every ounce of who we are. We cannot place anything above God. No priorities in life can be placed above God. God is to be loved. No girl or boy can come bef between you and God. Money cannot come between you and God. Material things cannot come between you and God. Popularity cannot come between you and God. Whatever it is that you want to do cannot come between you and God. See, if you place all these things in between you and God, then you're loving those things more than you are God. And that's not the way that it can be. We're going to see in these verses how God created the earth, how God created this world, and how God created you. And because of that, because of the, the, the artist creating his masterpiece in you, 
He deserves our love because without him, there wouldn't be a you. You ever thought about that? Without God, there would be no you. Without God, there would be no earth. Without God, there would be no heavens. Without God, there would be no merge. There would be no school. Well, don't get excited about that. There would be nothing. Without God, there would be nothing. There wouldn't be boys. There wouldn't be girls. There wouldn't be anything. And because God decided to create you, because God decided to give you life, he deserves to have your love. Nothing can be higher than God. We have to love him with all of our hearts. We have to love him with all of our minds. We have to focus upon God. We have to focus on the way that he desires for us to live. And Jesus reveals all of that to us. We have to focus um, our souls. Everything about us has to be focused on God. The second thing that I want you to see is that Jesus reveals God's power over everything. Jesus revealed God's power over everything. Did you know that in the New Testament alone, there are 34 miracles that Jesus performed? That's just what's written in the books, all right? John, in one part of John, he says there were many more miracles that are not recorded in the New Testament that Jesus performed. And, and so Jesus, the fact that Jesus is God, okay? The fact that Jesus is God He's revealing to us that God has the power over everything. And he demonstrates that in these 34 miracles. He healed people of sickness. He cast out demons, which demonstrated his power over Satan. He raised people from the dead, which demonstrated his power over death. He calmed storms, which demonstrated his power over nature. He healed people of physical ailments like blindness and not being able to walk. And that demonstrates his power over the human body. He fed people, which demonstrated his power to meet all of our needs. Jesus reveals God's power. And what that tells you is this. There is nothing that you will ever face that with God by your side... You can't overcome. Drama in your life. Tragedies in your life. There is nothing that you could face with God by your side and not be all right. The last thing that I want you to see is this. Jesus reveals God's love for us. Jesus revealed God's love for us. In Mark, Jesus, uh, Jesus says that the greatest commandment is to love God. He says the second greatest commandment is to love people. 1 John 4, 9, it says God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. John 3.16 puts it like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that whosoever believes in him shall not die but live forever. There is no doubt God loves you. And, and there's too many times that you, you see, you think about these tragedies and things that go on in your life. And 
this may happen or that may happen, and you start asking, man, why is God doing this to me? Why doesn't God love me? And reality is God does love you. He loves you so much. He loves you enough that he's not going to let, uh, he's not going to, if, if you have him by your side, things that, that you may think are just horrible and terrible and everything else, maybe aren't quite as bad as, as you're making them out to be. Or sometimes you've got to understand that it's not God that got you in trouble. It was your bad decision that got you in trouble. Or sometimes you've got to understand that it wasn't God's fault that this happened. But maybe God is allowing something to happen so that you can be stronger when it's all said and done. He loves you. And sometimes he has to practice tough love on you. But he says he loved the world so much that he took what he cherished the most. He gave himself, he gave his son to the world to be beaten, to be hung on a cross, to die, to be resurrected for your sins. There was once a man who did not believe in either the virgin birth of Christ He didn't believe in the spiritual meaning behind it. He was skeptical about whether or not God even existed. In his family, they lived in a farm community. His wife was a devout believer and diligently raised her children to be Christian men and women. He sometimes gave her a hard time about her beliefs. And he mocked her religious observances. He mocked what she practiced. He told her once that it was all nonsense. Why would God lower himself and become a human like us? It's such a ridiculous story, he said. One snowy day, she and the children, they left for church. And he stayed at home. After they left, he noticed that the winds outside were growing stronger. And snow turned into a blinding snowstorm. He built a fire, sat down to relax. Then then he heard this loud thump, something hitting against the window. And then another thump, and another thump. And and he looked outside, but he couldn't see anything. So he, he went outside for a better view. And in the field near his house, he saw one of the strangest things. He he saw a flock of geese. And and he said, and they were apparently flying to look for a warmer area down south. But they'd been caught up in this snowstorm. The storm had become so blinding and violent for the geese to fly or see their way. They were stranded on his farm with no food and no shelter. They were unable to do more than flutter their wings and fly in aimless circles. He had compassion for them and wanted to help them. He thought to himself the barn would be a great place for them to stay. It is warm and safe and surely they could spend the night And wait out this storm. So he opened the barn doors for them. He waited, watching them, hoping they would notice the open barn and go inside. But they did not. They did not notice the barn. They didn't notice it to realize what it could mean for them. The safety that it could provide. So he moved closer toward them. Trying to get their attention. But they just moved away. Because they were scared of him. He went into the house and came back with some bread. He broke it up 
made a bread trail on the barn, and they still didn't catch on. They still didn't understand he was trying to lead them to safety. Starting to get frustrated, he went over and he tried to shoo them toward the barn. And they panicked and scattered into every direction except toward the barn. Nothing he did could get them into the barn where there was warmth and safety and shelter. Feeling totally frustrated, he screamed out, Why don't they follow me? Can't they see this is the only place where they can survive the storm? How can I possibly get them into the one place to save them? He thought for a moment and realized that they just would not follow a human. He said to himself, how can I possibly save them? The only way for me to save them would be to become one of the geese. If only I could become like one of them, then I could save them. They would follow me, and I would lead them to safety. At that moment, he stopped, and he considered what he had said. The words just went over and over in his mind. If only I could become like one of them, then I could save them. Then at last, he understood God's heart towards mankind. And he fell on his knees in the snow. Jesus revealed to us God's heart toward all of us. We are his beautiful creation. He desires so much that we choose him because he knows that a life with him, uh, our life linked with his, us making making decisions based on what he teaches, will keep you safe from the storms of the world. But the problem is, is that we run from it. You know, Satan desires for every one of us to run from God. He desires for us to get caught up in the storm and eventually one day die in the storm. God loves you so much, He wants to protect you from that storm. If your life is not where it should be when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to God, you're just kind of aimlessly wandering around. It's time to stop playing the game. It's time to come into the barn and be safe. If any of you here tonight have never made a decision, have never made a profession of faith in Christ, myself, one of these adults, we'd love to talk with you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to be dismissed. And as you're leaving, if you want to talk, I'll be up here. One of these adults, they'll be in the back. Just grab one of us. We'll talk to you. We'll try to answer as many questions as you may have. But don't leave here tonight with the question of whether or not you were saved. Don't leave here tonight wondering. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time that we've had tonight. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to speak your words. Lord, I pray and ask that somebody who's here tonight, Lord, that if they've never met you, they, 
They, they have no idea what it means to have a relationship with you. God, I just pray and ask that you uh, convince them, Lord, that it's time. It's time to, to quit messing around and it's time to come and see Jesus and to believe in him. God, just reveal that to one of these kids tonight. God, we love you so much. Amen. You guys are dismissed.